You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you're well. The interview subject I have coming up for you is indeed special. I've got to tell you, I've been doing this now a couple of years, more than a couple of years as a matter of fact. I'm well over 500 interviews at this point, but every once in a while an interview subject comes along and I've really got to pinch myself that I'm able to do this, and this is definitely one of those instances because my guest on this episode is Al Dimiola, the magnificent. By my own estimation, he is the greatest living guitarist and composer. Big words, but I think if you know anything about his catalogue, which you're free to go and peruse via his website or indeed Wikipedia if you want the bite-sized version, it is just a stunning accomplishment that Al has managed to produce so much worthy material across Such a stellar career. I can't say enough positive things about his music. His music, as you will hear through the conversation, I believe people will be studying it in two and three hundred years' time, much the same way as we study the greats from Europe, Beethoven, Mozart, Tchaikovsky, Bach. That's how important his music is. Now, the reason for the chat, though, with Al, after all of that, (laughs) is to talk about his album, it's called Across the Universe, and he honours the Beatles on this one here. So there's plenty of Beatles cuts that he's reinterpreted, as only Al can, and it'll be out on March 13th, 2020. So here he is, the great Al Dimiola. Hey, Al, it's Andrew McKay-Smith calling for our chat. How are you going? Very good, bud. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, mate. Yeah, got, got the kids out the door, uh, you know, kicking and screaming as they do on a Friday because they want to stay at home and uh, watch TV rather than go to school because I've got daughters age five and six. But uh, apart from that and being called all sorts of names by my kids, mate, I'm doing really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my four-year-old just came in <laughs> oh, well, you, on you, the beach. You know exactly what I'm talking there, talking about then. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah, you know, from, from the beach too, mate. We live near the beach, actually. We go there all the time, so we love it. Where are you at? Were you what town even? Uh Gold Coast. Uh in Queensland. Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. Very similar to Florida. Uh, where is that near? Brisbane or something? Exactly. Spot on. About about sixty, seventy K south of Brisbane. Oh, okay. I played in Brisbane once. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking for You had a kind of a Miami type of humidity, I remember. Spot on. That's where I am. Yeah, I'm back at uni right. actually these days, and I'm, there's a lot of students from the United States and quite a few from Tampa and from Miami. And they say, oh. when they're talking to their families back home they, and their families ask them, what's it like? They say, exactly the same as home. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this, this time of year is really nice, Miami, but in another month or two, it starts getting humid. The summers are really brutal. Yeah, so. we, we're still in the midst. But we, Sorry, yeah, we live up in Jersey and... Uh, primarily, but we have a, a place apartment on the beach down here, so it's nice. Oh, beautiful! Really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to have that getaway, haven't you? The the the, uh, the summer getaway, so to speak. You know, so well, um, it's winter. We call oh, winter. It, we call it the winter getaway. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's the opposite. <laughs> we still, I mean, it's right, autumn right, right. now, but it's spring for you guys. But you know, in my part of the world, we only ever get about six to eight weeks worth of when I say cold weather. You, you know, I talk know. to somebody from Jersey and they'd laugh when I said if it's cold weather here because it's like twenty degrees. That's <laughs> that's cold weather for us. <laughs> wow. You know, yeah. so look, uh, look. I want to congratulate you. Uh, look on a, on a truly sterling career, and indeed for crafting uh, the stunning interpretations of Beatles classics that you've done on across the universe. So I've had a lot of listens oh, to it. I must appreciate. be said, you know, and and look from my own perspective, the album is truly a meeting of the minds, meaning that fans have now got an opportunity to dive into your interpretation of well-known 
and indeed some not so well-known Beatles songs, which I really liked actually. Oh, you think you picked some left of field ones there, but you know the the inspiration is obviously evident. But I guess the question is, why the Beatles? Oh man. Uh, well, you know, I was that kid, you know, that, uh, I guess nine years old, my sister comes home with the record, uh, the first record, Meet the Beatles, and they were kind of the rage on the radio, so the combination of, you know, my sister bringing home the record, me hearing, hearing it, and then Ed Sullivan's show, uh, in New York, uh, on that Sunday when they, when the Beatles made their, their, uh, introduction to America, it was it was like uh, an amazing kind of thing because it, it you know motivated me to want to play the guitar. I would say that was a large reason why. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know those early songs were great. You know they just they were great then and they're great now. Mm-hmm. You know I listen to them now. I we you know this this radio station called Sirius XM satellite radio. Yep. And we listen to it every day when we're in the car. We listen. So we would go to the Beatles channel, you know. Wow, okay. And yeah. um and, and, and in doing these two records, now this being the second one, um, you know, I, I kind of analyzed it from from, you know, a technical standpoint, looking at the harmonies and you know, and of course the melodies are infectious and they're in they're deeply embedded in our heads and and, and hearts. Mm-hmm. But the the you know, just checking out the you know what what it was harmonically and everything and mm-hmm. it's just it's just mind-blowing it's just really really beautiful well-constructed music they were lucky to have george martin and and uh, right yeah yeah you know he was an amazing producer that introduced classical elements uh in uh instrumentation to to the to the to the music they gave it a lot of depth and uh which it already had it already had a lot of aesthetic to it, you know, mm-hmm. the sound of their voices and everything. So, you know, the Beatles were highly inspirational to me, uh, as a lot of the English music was. But they, they were they set the bar. Everybody was trying to, yeah. you know, to make music, you know, that not to better them, but they were, you know, the Beatles were the they set the benchmark, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then when they went off on their on their own solo thing, I definitely lost interest in their solo stuff, mm-hmm. which led me onto the path that brought me into, you know, uh, whatever prominence that I got, because I went and went down the road of, you know, into jazz and jazz rock and fusion and everything. Mm-hmm. And those were the guys that, you know, I was listening to constantly when I was uh, a mid teenager to, you know, mm-hmm. right up until the point of when I got the gig with Chick Corea in 19. Yes. Yeah. And then, just in the last 10 years, I've come like full circle back to being obsessed with the Beatles. It's interesting, isn't it? Which is a phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Yeah. So so how did you go about reconstructing the songs in your own inimitable way? Because as soon as I played it, I could actually... I mean, your, your guitar playing is iconic, of course, but I mean... You could absolutely tell it was you playing somebody else's music. So, how did you go about the process of uh, choosing not so much the arrangements, but how you played the songs? Well, I try to incorporate what what I'm kind of uh, known for doing, 
you know, which yeah. which I, which I do a lot. Even if even if I was playing something from uh, you know Piazzolla or any kind of classical thing or, or my own music for that matter, as mm-hmm. uh, I as I I like taking the breaking down the harmonic chords into arpeggios and then syncopating them. Okay. Or changing the rhythm, or it could be a song that's in four four, and I say, you know what, this would be great in in a nice six eight feel, mm-hmm. you know, and and yeah, you know, you, I would have to do something like that in order for it to be interesting enough to me, mm-hmm. you know, if I were to play, let's say, Hey Jude, uh, the way Paul played it, it wouldn't work because first of all, Paul's not there to sing it. You have no no voice, no no lyrics, mm-hmm. and then and then if you just listen to Hey Jude, which by the way, I I, I think the Beatles did the Beatles best, you know. <laughs> there's, there's no there was no intent to make it better than the Beatles at all, mm-hmm. but but you know you you I'd have to do it differently in order for it to work. Because if I had played, let's say, the, the harmony. With with the way he played on the piano, which is basically da da da, hey bang 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 mm-hmm. bang on the piano, it's all quarter notes. And and if I had done that instrumentally, it would be really weird. It would be like, wow, he's just copying exactly what the Beatles are doing. You can't, you know, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Plenty of people are, are, have done that. Thousands of people have copied, mm-hmm. you know, and tried to do try to do the Beatles as the Beatles, you know, but this you, is, you know, you chose this some, this is me doing my, my own interpretation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm trying can, to copy them. Yeah. And, and it's, they're much better for it. I mean, you've given new life to a lot of these songs and dare I say, it, you're going to introduce an aspect of a new audience to it too, that might've ignored the Beatles and how, and what else I really enjoy what you've done here. Some, when I say, not so well-known songs. Of course, they're well-known, but from the Beatles' perspective, you know, you chose Your Mother Should Know, uh, Mother Nature's Son, and even Dear Prudence. So what was the inspiration behind choosing the songs? Was it just the ones that you felt you connected with the best, or was there another reason? Well, it was definitely a connection. Uh, there's plenty of songs that I that I wish I had more time to do. I mean, you know, maybe another 40 of them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I I found that uh, you know the way the way I approached uh, Dear Prudence, you know, it was hard, man. I mean, there was a big big skips, you know, in picking technique. So it was it was a challenge to play, uh, but it was also, you know, it was the song. You could tell it's the song, which is good, you know. Mm-hmm. So melodies were intact. But within the framework of some of these chord melody things that I was doing, yep. uh, it was less avant-garde than the first record that I had done <clears throat> because the melodies are intact. You know, it's what's, it's how you play around it, you know, harmonically and rhythmically that gives it its originality and, mm-hmm. and, and interpretation. Uh, Mother Nature's Son, well, that, that one was the hardest one I've ever practiced Mm-hmm. Maybe of anything. <laughs> really, that was really Jeez. hard, really difficult to do because it was chord melody, and and to and to shift the chords with the melody and have the melody play in exactly the right places was 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 interesting. And then whatever little things that I did that were uh, original were 
you know, like sometimes I would add add some runs in between. So I would extend a four four bar into a six four, or in other words, a four four with a two four bar extension with a run in there. You know, and so I had to write all of this out. You know, yeah. Uh, your mother should know is is a, is a classic example of you know extending a composition. Like had they had they extended the composition instrumentally, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what would they have done from this point? Oh, that's you know awesome. what I mean? Yeah, I do know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. if you'd been there in the point, room, what would you have said? If they were instrumental, yeah. you know, where would it go from here? Or where could it go from here? So then, then you know, the ALD comes in, you know, hmm. uh, with, with all due respect to them because, you know, not a matter of doing it better than them. It's just, it's just, you know, bringing my world into their world. You know, yeah, as, yeah. Uh, with all with all the aesthetic that they have, uh, not minimizing it, and not and not doing it like a jazz guy, like like jazz guys have done Beatles because you know even jazz guys love the Beatles, but but I found that a lot of them have changed it so drastically it's like you don't even recognize the song you know mm-hmm. sometimes you can't really alter the harmony so drastically because it's the beauty in, in the Beatles was was the simplicity simplicity of the of the harmony and not altering the chords so drastically For you sure. know? Yeah. now you can alter the rhythm but, but don't you can't really alter the, the harmony too much because then it gets it gets to be too hard to listen to you know what I mean oh it does for, for something that's so iconic in, in particular because almost all of the Beatles songs especially if you're a fan of music you will have heard even if via osmosis if you know what I'm saying you walk into a, uh, a record store or a uh, guitar shop or what have you there's going to be a Beatles song playing almost certainly whilst you're in there that'll start ah. the Rolling Stones ah. and that's what I say every day to somebody <laughs> I say there isn't a day that goes by. This is like my famous phrase now. Yeah. There isn't a day that goes by that we are not reminded or hear something or see something of the Beatles. Not yes, a day. Exactly. Is that an amazing thing? I don't know how it is in Australia, but here there isn't a day that goes by we're not reminded of something. You might it might be driving somewhere and you might see something, a slogan or something from the Beatles or a commercial on TV or, or mm-hmm. something. There's Every always some reference. Day. Mm. Same here, mate. Yes. Yeah, exactly the same in Australia. Australia and the US aren't too different, and culturally no. it's virtually the same. You know, them, or maybe not so much the Stones, but certainly the Beatles. The other one, big one here, is Pink Floyd. Even though they haven't played here in about 40 years or whatever it's been, they're still a very popular band. But, uh, but yeah, you, you really yeah. are on point. And, and you, may, you may have answered this question here, but I need to ask, okay, because everything comes across so seamless. Everything sounds as though it connects together so beautifully. But were there any challenges that you really had to focus on to overcome? Oh, with this, with this record? Yes. Making the record? Oh, God, yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, some of it was downright super hard, uh, like Mother Nature's Son. Mm. I mean, you don't listen to it. I don't think you would necessarily listen to it and go, wow, that sounds really, really hard. Or it was meant to sound hard or anything. But it was. To get it right. Mm. To get it right. was really, that one kicked my butt. Uh, A bit, yeah. Strawberry Fields, I, I had to work on. If you notice, it's 
it's not just the melody playing over chords, it's the melody within the chords. So, so, you know, in an arpeggiated fashion. So I, there was a lot of work there, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I had to work harder on this than on my own stuff, you know. This was hard, yeah. you know. Not everything. I mean, uh, the Hey Jude is sort of not as hard, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, I almost had recorded Maxwell Silver Hammer, which was also a chord melody piece, and that was extremely difficult. But it didn't have, I didn't have time to get mm-hmm. on the record. Uh, other ones that were uh, challenging, and your mother should know. Yep. Uh, Can hear that. You know, because yeah. if you would, because of that whole chord melody uh, thing with syncopation, so that 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 is a, a challenge at any time you do here, there, and everywhere. Brutal. Hmm. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I can hear yeah. that. Yeah, I can hear that. And uh, the other one, which I really love the way you close the album out too, because as I've mentioned, I've got kids and Octopus's Garden for them. And I guess for me too, is probably uh, my favourite cut on the album in many ways, because as you can see how much joy they get out of it. And you know what they've said to me, because I'm also a musician, they said, can you, can I do something similar? And I thought, oh God, we'll, we'll try. <laughs> but to whom, does, <laughs> to whom does that beautiful little voice in the recording belong to? That's my little. Well, she was three at the year okay. at the at the time of uh, you know that happened. I mean, this is like a half a year ago, mm-hmm. and uh, that's my our daughter Ava. And uh, I'm telling you, it's, it was I had like so much recording of it, and um, my engineer was paranoid of us using it because it had it had uh, the Ringo version in the background, so she was singing along with it. Okay. And he was paranoid that any of it would be heard because they would be pouncing on us in terms of legal. Oh, matter. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so okay. I had to cover it up. I said, "But why do we have to cover it? It sounds so good, you know." <laughs> well, but we also had a lot of other uh, versions of it, you know, from that car ride that were. It was surprising how well a tune she was singing, but when she went off. <laughs> After the after the verse, mm-hmm. she was she was actually humming the guitar solo. Okay, yes, there you go. So there's a little bit of her humming the guitar solo. We only want to use you know a very short little clip at the end of the record, but she actually hums the guitar solo almost exactly in tune. And I said, man, this is too precious. You got to leave this. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful memory for you both. Yeah, it's a one. I mean, as I say, having kids, it's a wonderful memory for you both. And is is that the first time she's appeared on a record with you? Oh, well, three years old? I would say it's the first time. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you're here. Now I got to hear ins- another voice on Dear Prudence, by the way. Oh, is that right? Now, okay, I'll check it out. No, I'd, I'd check guess... Check it out at the you're right, beginning of the song and in the middle uh, is my my 22-year-old daughter, Valentina, mm-hmm. and myself. So we're singing that, that one of those phrases within the song that we put at the beginning and in the middle. Mm-hmm. Here I spoke. Yeah. Hey, I'll just do a time check because I actually wasn't given a, a, a length of time to chat to you for, but believe me, I can keep on talking. So if we've got more time, I'd love to ask you more uh, questions. Uh, if, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Look, I, I'm a long-time fan, as you can probably tell, of, of your work. And, and probably my favourite stuff that you've been a part of is the Tour de Force that you created alongside of John McLaughlin and, uh, of course, the musically immortal Paco de Lucia. Um, and, look, I, I consider your work and 
the work of John and also Paco to be up there alongside of John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Aretha Franklin, Ronnie Spector, all of the greats, in that if you class yourself as a genuine and excuse the language for a moment, no bullshit fan of music, you're drawn to it. No matter what genre you listen to, you'll eventually arrive at a recording that features yourself or Paco or John or Aretha. But my question for you is actually about your partnership with Paco, because um, I've got to be frank here, three of the greatest guitarists of all time sharing the stage can likely go awry, but it didn't. And the three albums are to be treasured, of course, I've got them. So Friday Night in San Francisco, Passion, Grace and Fire, and, and probably my favourite, the Guitar Trio from 1993. But when you, look, yeah. when you look back on your time with Paco, uh, what are your most prominent memories? Mm, well, I mean, the first, the first time him arriving in New York... Uh, uh, for my second solo album, Elegant Gypsy, hmm. is a standout because he came, he came in hard, he hard, hardly spoke English. I mean, so little that he had an interpreter friend who was just doing all the interpreting. Okay. And he arrives, uh, he arrives, you know, the record company set it all up, you know, because uh, uh, if I backtrack a little bit, I, two years before that, when I was, we returned to Forever, and we, we came uh, to Spain, it was, there's just so much talk about this hot new flamenco player. So mm. I went to the local department store uh, called El Corte Inglés, which was, you know, their big department store in Madrid. And it was, they were, I went to the, you know, the the uh, record department, which was quite extensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, picked up a few of his records, went back to the States, listened to them, and was knocked out. Just, I, I, I never heard anything like that in terms of, uh, originality in, in, in the idiom, but mm-hmm. also you know the technique was just staggering. So uh, yeah, I really I thought then how great it would be to do something, but it wasn't until my second album that uh, I brought it up to the product manager uh, at CBS Records. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the idea of doing a duet, if they can contact his record company, which they did, and luckily I was I was hot enough at the time that that. They thought it would be a great opportunity for Paco to get known in the States. Mm-hmm. And so he came over, um, and uh, I remember he, we recorded it at Jimi Hendrix's studio, Electric Lady. Beautiful. Yes. And, uh, and he comes in, and he was nervous beyond belief, you know. And, oh, God, I have a call coming in here. Okay. That's all right. If I've got to let you go, mate, no worries at all. Oh, okay. I wanted to finish the story, though. Oh no, I'd love to oh, hear no, the story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's it stopped ringing now. Okay. So anyway, uh, he was so nervous that that we didn't really get anywhere. So his friend said, you know, he 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 really can't relax unless he has some, you know, pot. And oh, so really? well, luckily, I got my, I got my friend here. He's like the ultimate hippie, you know. <laughs> and he went out and got him some pot for the next day. He comes in feeling great. And that was the first take. And that's what we heard, Mediterranean Sundance. Uh, it's just a magic cut. You know, mm. it's just, it was one of those duets that, that you know, you, you, you feel like you, you got a magic, a magic moment, you know, a real connection in dialogue and interplay, mm. which rarely happens on that level. So then for, what was it, two or three, four years later, Four years later, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, this impresario from London, Barry Marshall, calls me up with the idea of, of doing a guitar trio. Um, 
with Paco and Leo Kaki. He, he then changed. He said, called me back. He said, well, what do you think of John McLaughlin? I said, I said, oh, man, if you get John and, and, and Paco and myself together, that would, should be a smash. Mm. We went on to sell 7 million records. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. It's essential, or truly essential. I mean, I uh, and, and I really like that you mentioned that, um, you know, was the effect that the three of you getting on stage, uh, producing the yeah. music that you've done, um, it's really going to be there for a very long time. I've made this point only with very few. I've done over 500 interviews at this point, and I've only made this and how point. how you correlate that to the Beatles now? You, see, you, could, yeah. you can use the, the, the analogy of the competition between John and Paul as writers mm. is very much, you know, you can, you can, you can use that as an analogy of, you know, what, what we went through on stage. We, we, would, we were also trying to impress one another, you know. So, you know, when John walked in with Strawberry Fields, Paul was like, what the hell? And so he went out and he, had, he said, man, I got to come up with something cool. So he came up with Penny Lane. But it really was because of situations like that. And we were the same. Like a guy would play a solo on stage. It was so good. And then it would be your turn to do a solo. And you'd have to just rise above it, you know. Mm. And the same with the writing, you know. We had the same kind of competitive spirit, you know, that was good. Mm. It, it, produced, it produced the level that we got to. It, it does, yeah. It produced excellence. And it's excellence. The, the point I was making was it's produced excellence that will be there for centuries. I mean, it's it truly is. I'm not overstating the case here. It's, it's music similar to Mozart, Beethoven, that people will be studying this stuff in two, three hundred years' time and working out the where's and why's. Wow. I never thought of that. I didn't think it would go that long, but that's yeah. great. Yeah, certainly my, my view on it anyway. It's so essential. I, I won't be around to know, but let's hope you're right. <laughs> I, guess, uh, I guess I should wrap it up, but I just want to ask one more question from you, um, Australia. Okay. I know you've been here a couple of times, but have you had a lot of interaction and a lot of connections from Australian fans over the years? Well, not as much as I would, would have hoped. You know, I, I, hmm. I play with the guitar trio in Australia. I don't know if you know that. No, I didn't know that. Uh, there you go. Yeah, we played. We played uh, all the major cities, and I really haven't been back except for once. There was a promoter who had no experience at all, and brought me back. I don't know. It must have been ten years ago, and uh, uh, they absolutely didn't know what they were doing. Hmm. And uh, we had. We came there. I think we played two of the ten shows, and then left. Oh God! Okay. Yeah, you know, because it was it was totally uh, done unprofessionally, and uh, and then of course no money. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we had we had to leave leave and go back, but we've certainly tried to come back many many times, and it was just you know we just need more promotion, and uh, mm. you know it's just hard hard to play there. I don't know why it's hard to get the right promoter to to sponsor it. Yeah, we've just but had a hopefully that happened. You know? I'm sorry that happened to you, mate. Because that's uh, ten shows, mate. There's you know eight eight shows there that big fans of yours missed out on your on you on your wonderful skills and and seeing that. Because I, I do believe you need to be in the presence of the greats, such as yourself. Like you need to be able to go to uh, the Basilica in Rome or what have you, and you need to be in the presence mm. of this stuff here in order to absorb it on a cellular level. I like to say it, it, it right. changes. It really does change your life when you're in when you actually experience this sort of stuff. So. 
Mate, fingers crossed that we see you down here sometime soon. I really hope a promoter will, um, yeah. gets onto that. Well, introduce introduce yourself when I, when I do. Just remember me. We did an interview, and I'll remember you. Oh, thank you so much. No, it's it's been wonderful. Look, it's it's really been a career highlight for me as an interviewer to have a chat to you. I'm a guitarist and a bassist, and my you really, pleasure. You know, you're one of those guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. You take care. Thank you, mate. Bye now. Cheers. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was the one and only, the great Al Dimiola. Thanks for listening.